Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Happy New Year. What I want to do this morning as we begin our first Sunday of 2016 is I want to talk to you from the Word of God about the Word of God today. We've been talking last several months trying to find ways to emphasize the importance of Scripture in your life. And I want to do that this morning through a message about the Word as a setup for the year, right? John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my people are what? Do you remember that passage? Are what? Anybody complete that? I know somebody can. You're nervous. Are walking in the truth. God wants us to be people of the truth, people of the Word. Let me just open with some rapid-fire statements from the Bible, about the Bible, about the power of the Bible. You're not going to have time to look these up, just listen. Power of the Bible, Romans 1.16. The gospel, the centerpiece of this book right here is the power of God for salvation. Acts 20.32, the Word of God is able to build you up and give you an inheritance, talking about an eternal inheritance with Christ. 1 Peter 1.23 Believers are born again through the living and abiding Word of God. Joshua 1.8 says that obedience to the Word will make us prosperous and successful. Romans 10.17 says that the Word births faith. John 17, 17 says that the Word of God, the Bible, the truth here sanctifies. Psalms 119.11 says that the Word of God, as we hide it in our heart, it enables us not to sin. Psalms 55.11 says that God's Word never returns void. It accomplishes what God sends it out for. Psalms 19.7 and 8, God's Word revives the soul, gives wisdom, causes the heart to rejoice, enlightens the eyes. Acts 19.20 says that God's Word prevails mightily. John 8.32, God's truth sets us free. Hebrews 4.12, God's Word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It actually is able to discern the very thoughts and the very intentions of our heart. The power of the Bible. Why is the Bible so powerful? It's because it is the very words of God God's power is behind these words. God's power is in these words. God's power flows through these words. 
So what I want to do this morning as we start 2016, I want to take you to a passage in the Bible where the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, talked to us about the written Word of God and how that written Word of God can bring transformation into our lives. He tells us a story. A story that is a parable. Do you know what a parable is? You know what parable means? The word means to throw alongside. To throw alongside. Jesus was the quintessential storyteller of human history. He used stories to communicate incredible truths, and he did that so that people could relate in a parable, a throwing alongside. Let me give you what I believe is the heart of Jesus for us today here, that you, as you listen to this story, this parable, that you would throw your life alongside this parable, that as you listen to it, As you prayed earlier, you'd be asking the Spirit, show me where my life lines up with this parable. I want to see what the Word of God says to me in the teaching of this parable where my life is running parallel to what is taught here and how it can move forward into what God wants for me. So throw your life alongside this parable as you listen. I'm going to read the parable. It's in Mark 4, verse 3 to 9. I'm just going to read right through the parable, and then we're going to look at Jesus' explanation of the parable to his disciples, the parable of the sower. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. We have Bibles in the back behind each section of chairs. By the way, if you need a Bible, you take that Bible, it's yours. It's such a powerful thing that we want all of you to have and all of you to use. It's not the presence of the Bible that's the answer. It's the practice of it that's the answer. And for us to be in it, for you to be in it and be using it. And so, turning your Bibles to Mark 4. Pages 839, basically you're going to spend all morning right there on that one page. At the very end, we're going to go to one other passage, but we're going to stay basically right here for the entire message. Listen to verses 3 through 9 of Mark 4. Listen, exclamation point. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. 
and other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundred-fold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What I want to do as we begin is just mention a truth that jumps out to me in verse 14 that places this parable in perspective. Listen to what Jesus said about this parable to his disciples in verse 13. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I think there's something really significant in that statement. It seems to me that what Jesus is saying is that this parable right here is like a master key parable. That if you can understand this parable, it'll help you unlock the truth of the other parables that Jesus taught. There's something fundamental about this parable right here. So let's listen as Jesus now explains the meaning of this parable. And as you listen, remember, here's what you're doing. You're throwing your life alongside this parable. You're saying, Holy Spirit who inspired this, Jesus, who spoke this, show me where my life lines up. And first of all, just look at the components that are in this parable. Verse 14, the parable has three components. It says, the sower sows the word. So here's what we've got in the parable. Quick overview. There's one sower. Relating that to this morning, I'm the sower. And what is the seed being sown? It's the Word. It's the Word of God. So there's one sower and one type of seed, and the seed is the Word of God that I'm sowing this morning and ultimately praying that the Spirit of God is the one that through my words is sowing this into your heart. And where is the seed sown? It's sown into individual lives. That's the four different types of soil that are mentioned. So again, the sake of being redundant, throw your life alongside. And as you listen, ask the Spirit to show you from the truth which one of these or where does your life line up in places to these different types of soils so that you can then learn from the instruction and move forward toward the fourth type of soil that produces a plentiful harvest. So here's soil number one. It coincides with verse four, seeds sown along the path. And here's what I'm going to call the first soil. I'm calling it the closed mind. Soil number one, the closed mind. Jesus said in Mark 4.15, here's the explanation of that seed sown along the path. 
And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. You see, seed that falls along the path far, falls on hardened soil. Hardened soil is a problem. Because what seed needs to do is it needs to get to soil where it can penetrate, where it can go down and germinate so that it can grow up. But here is soil that is packed down, that is trampled. The roots can't go down because the seed can't go in and the stock can't come up and produce fruit. The seed sits there. So here's what the seed does. The seed is on, but not in. With the closed mind, the seed is on, but not in. Here's what Jesus said. There's people like that. There's people like that. People with a closed mind to the truth of God's Word. People where the seed is on, but not in. First of all, what does that look like? Secondly, is it you? I am not in any way being condemning or judgmental. I'm saying this to Brad as I'm saying it to you. I'm asking the Spirit of God, where is my life lining up with these four types of soil? Soil number one is a closed mind to the truth. How does that happen? Well, I think there are many things that can contribute to that. I'm going to give you three hinges. There are lots that we could list here, but I'm going to give you three hinges upon which the door of a closed mind swings shut. Here's one, pride. Pride says, I don't need what the Bible has to say. I'm okay on my own. I can make it in life without this. Hinge number two, cynicism. Cynicism many times is explained by individuals like this. Christians are no different. Christians are no different. They've been hurt by someone, hurt by someone uh, claiming to be a follower of Christ or that is a follower of Christ. It's not acting like a follower of Christ. And they take that and say, oh, Christians are just you know, the difference between uh, me and them is that on Sunday morning I'm watching the game and they're going to a show at church. The only difference. Another hinge for the closed mind is fear. I mean, I don't want to listen to the Word of God. What is He going to call me to do? What is He going to ask of me? There's going to be too much. I'm going to lose out if I listen. Close mind. Let me bring this closer to home for a diagnostic here. 
as we begin this morning, I ask you to pray. Pray that God would open up your heart and your mind. Speak whatever he wanted to speak. Here would be the response of a closed mind. Was this you? I'm not going to pray that. I don't need what, I'm just here putting in my time. I don't need what the preacher's going to say. I don't need what this story is going to tell. I'm okay on my own. That'd be a closed mind. You see, those with a closed mind have the soil of their mind or their heart trampled hard by the stuff of life. They experience no penetration because they practice no reflection on the truth. I think in many ways, this is the most difficult to reach. Now, obviously, it's God is the one that reaches, but the issue with a, a closed mind, a hardened heart, I think is one of Satan's favorite soils because he knows the power of the Word of God and he doesn't want it to penetrate whatsoever. He wants it to hit the hardened, trampled soil of life so that it gets no penetration, so that it can be quickly snatched away before it has any chance to bring any effect. Just think about the practical application of how to deal with this if you're here this morning and you're saying, well, truth be told, I've got some of that in my own life. You know, you... You're in a setting like this or you're hearing the Word of God preached through the radio waves or television or you're at some event or you're in a service like this and as the preaching is going on, you're sensing a a moving on your heart. You're feeling things that you're not used to feeling and there's a drawing there. But as soon as it's over. You rush back into your routine to quiet that down, to turn off that feeling, giving it no chance to take root. You see, that leads us to an applicational point here. What key will open a closed mind? Well, obviously, it's the Spirit of God that does that. But when you are sensing it, what you need to do, your involvement is to act quickly. Don't put it off. Don't turn it down. Lean into it. Listen to it. Act upon it. Because it will not just sit there on the surface unmolested by the enemy. He's going to come and snatch it away unless you receive it and allow it to penetrate in the moment when the Spirit of God is speaking and working. Act quickly. 
Soil number two. That's the closed mind. Soil number two comes from verses five to six. Soil that seed that fell on the rocky soil and sprang up immediately, no depth. I'm calling that the shallow mind. The shallow mind. And the explanation is in verses 16 and 17. Listen. Jesus said, These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You see, soil two is different than soil one. Soil two is wide open. It just has no depth to it. The picture here is not a soil with some rocks in it. The picture is a little layer of soil and underneath there's bedrock. You see, in the first closed mind, the seed was on but not in. Here, the seed is in but not down. In but not down. Characteristics of a shallow mind. Remember, throw yourself beside it. Does this speak to you? Characteristics of a shallow mind. A shallow mind wants the crown without the cross. Wants the crown without the cross. People with a shallow mind hear the blessings of the Word of God shared, and they quickly respond and they say, I want that. I want forgiveness. I want eternal life. I want abundant life. Yeah, give it to me. I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want the blessings that come with being a joint heir of Christ, but they forget the other side of the teaching where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. That's a part of the teaching of the Word of God as well. It's the crown that comes through a cross. Another characteristic of the shallow mind is that it pursues the show but not the grow. Pursues the show but not the grow. They want to, those that are like this, they want to go where the excitement is. They want to go where the new movement of the Spirit is. They want to pop around where they hear cool things happening instead of sticking in a place and getting grounded and getting invested and being used. I'm talking here in hyperbole. I'm talking in extremes to make the point. These are those that want easy faith, cheap grace, and shallow piety. They want the emotional exhilaration without the intellectual. And though they, although they are intellectually rootless, they want emotional exhilaration, but no intellectual root. 
listen. God is not mainly wanting you to see the miracles. He's wanting you to be the miracles for somebody. He wants to work in your life deeply and then work through your life powerfully and profoundly so that God's miracles come through you to other people unto life transformation for his glory. He's not out to wow you with his wonders primarily. He's out to use you for his glory. Another characteristic of the shallow mind is they're quick to believe and quick to bail. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? They believe quickly, but they have no root. And when trouble rises up, they turn. Listen, there's going to be resistance. Anyone who longs to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to face trials. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said, if they hated me, guess what? Anybody know the rest of that? They're going to hate you as well. Why? Because the life of Jesus, just think about that from what you know in the New Testament. The life of Jesus was not a life you could ignore, right? He was the most unignorable life of human history. He stirred it up where he lived, wherever he went, because his life was so counter to culture. And if we follow him, it's going to be against the flow. There's going to be resistance. People that are of a shallow mind, what is lacking here is deep conviction. And where does deep conviction come from? It comes from close inspection and serious reflection on the Word of God. That's how deep conviction that grounds us and makes us firm and unmovable and a force for change comes from in the Word of God. It comes from that close inspection and serious reflection upon the truth. But that's not what the shallow mind or heart is after. They're after the flash in the pan. What gives depth to the shallow mind? How can that change? Just one idea here. Ponder deeply. Get into the Word of God and reflect upon it. Ponder it. Meditate upon it. And that will enable Roots to grow deep. Count the cost. Understand what Jesus has called you to from the Word of God. The blessings as well as the difficulties. 
trouble and ridicule and outright persecution. Listen, it's not an indication that something is wrong. It, in fact, could very well be the road sign that you're on the right road. Because they hated him and persecuted him. I'm not saying make it your goal to tick people off. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying make it your goal to get as close to Jesus and keep in step with Jesus as you can. And as you do that, you're going against the flow. So ponder deeply if the Spirit of God is saying to you, there's aspects of your life that are shallow, a shallow mind, a shallow heart. Here's soil number three. It comes from verse 7. Seed falling among the thorns. The seed grew up with the thorns, but what happened was it didn't produce any fruit. The explanation is in verse 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here is soil that has seeds of truth sown alongside of weeds of the world. The seed of God's word got in and went down but it didn't mature or it didn't produce fruit. It even grew up a stalk, but there was no fruit on the stalk. Why? Because there were other things sapping the nutrients. There were things competing with what the Word of God wanted to do in that individual's life. That's the mind that is a cluttered mind. Soil number three, a cluttered mind. Look closely at what he said about this soil here that I'm calling the cluttered mind. Look at three phrases in verse 19. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Three weeds that choke the truth. Weed number one, I'm going to call it distraction. It is being controlled by the urgent instead of the eternal. That is the phrase, the cares of the world. It's being controlled by the urgent instead of the eternal. The worries of this life keep you from focusing on the truth of the Word of God so that it can grow deeply and mature and produce fruit that lasts. But instead, there's this competition, this focus, this distraction because of the cares of the world. The tyranny of the urgent. Second phrase is the deceitfulness of riches. I'm calling that division. And what 
I see here is being confused over what holds real value. It's the deceitfulness of riches. What's the deceit? It's what's really valuable. Is it the riches that this world has to offer or is it an entirely different set of riches? The riches of this world are deceitful. They promise a lot and provide nothing of lasting value. They're deceitful and they choke out. They compete with what the Word of God wants to do in the life of an individual. And it becomes, under the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for wealth and the pursuit of wealth and the clinging to wealth that so clutter the mind and consume the energies that the Word of God is not growing deep and springing up to be a fruit-bearing property in their life. And then statement number three is the desire for other things. Here is coveting stuff instead of the Savior. When in a abundance of focus and energy is placed on acquiring and enjoying the pleasures of life that the world has to offer. It chokes out, but the Word of God wants to accomplish in your life. Those are things of the cluttered mind. And so here's what's going on with the seed here. The seed is down but it's not out. It's down, but it's not out. It's grown up possibly a stock, but there's no fruit on the outside. There's no fruit being produced. That's what these weeds, these thorns choke out. Let me ask you the question, how important is fruit? Anybody have an opinion on that? How important to God is fruit? Folks, it's everything. It's everything in your life. He does not want the seed of the Word of God to go in and go down and just raise up a trunk of an apple tree and there to be no apples on the tree. That's a worthless tree. That's a waste of God's soil right there. What God wants is what's on the end of the branches. It is fruit. That's what He wants. That's what he wants the Word of God to accomplish in your life. And often the stuff of life competes with the eternally lasting fruit that God, through his Spirit, using the Word, wants to produce in us. Are you throwing yourself alongside that and saying, Spirit, is that me? Where is that me in my life? What cleans up a cluttered mind? What cleans up a cluttered mind? I'm just going to give you one suggestion here as well. I think what you need to do if you're hearing that you've got a cluttered mind from the Spirit, you need to prioritize regularly. If that's your temptation to be 
cluttered so that things compete. You need to regularly prioritize. You need to stop long enough and say, what really is of lasting value? Go to the Word of God. Find out what that is and then say, I'm going to orient my life around making sure that those things get done first and foremost so that everything else does not compete with what God wants to do through those prioritized realities of my life. You're going to need to prioritize if your situation is a cluttered mind. Then is soil number four, the responsive mind or heart. Verse 420, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and a 100-fold. Here is what God, through His Word, wants to accomplish a harvest 30, 60, or a 100-fold. What a powerful thing the Word of God is that it can do that. It can produce an incredibly exponential harvest, even a 100-fold. And the degree of the harvest is due in part to the commitment to growing deeply, putting down deep roots into the truth of God's Word so that it grows up and accomplishes in us what God wants it to. Let me close with this. Three steps that will help produce Spiritual depth and fruitfulness. And what I'm going to do, here's the one verse that we're going to pull from in another location. In Luke chapter 8, the same parable is told. So I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 8. You're using one of the black Bibles in the back. That's page 865. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Here is the corresponding verse to verse 20 of Mark chapter 4. Here's the responsive mind, the good soil. Luke 8, 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Three phrases. They hear the word, they hold it fast, and they bear fruit with patience. Three steps, three things to produce spiritual depth and fruitfulness. Number one, hearing the Word. Reading the Word. Listening to the Word preached. Hearing it. Letting the Word of God come in. Hearing it. Secondly, holding fast to it. That's a step beyond hearing it, holding fast. How do you hold fast to the Word of God? I'll give you some suggestions. Memorize it. Meditate upon it. Study it deeply. Journal about it. Reflect upon it. Ponder over it. Those are the ways we get our hands around it with a firm grip so that we hold it fast. 
That's where the roots go down. So hearing and reading, that's where the word goes in. Holding fast, that's where the roots go down. And then thirdly, Luke 8 says, and bear fruit with patience. With patience. That's constant, consistent application. Consistent application. Patiently keeping on in the same direction with the Word of God, doing what you see to do, what God tells you to do, consistently applying it. And what's going to happen is those roots that go down under holding it fast are going to grow up and produce a vine that has fruit on it, fruit that lasts, fruit that is 30, 60, and 100-fold. And so the encouragement as we stand here on the precipice of 2016, be a person of the Word. This year, be a person of the Word. Let the Word of God go in and go deep and grow up and produce what God wants it to produce as you become committed to being a person of the Word.